0: i'm timothy putnam and i'll be your host for the next hour each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together you and i can prepare to live outside the walls i don't know if you've ever thought about it this way but jesus was an awful marketer right jesus uh, knew how to scare people away Uh, if anyone would be my disciple, let them take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me, right? Uh, come follow me. Well, let me go bury my father first. No, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me, right? Or, or the one, uh, what, Lord, what must I do to be saved? He's like, well, obey the commandments. Oh, oh, I already do that. I obey all those commandments. That's great. Go sell all that you have and then come and follow me. You know, you look back on it and it's like, Jesus, um, what are you doing? We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be building up a, a movement here. And you keep scaring all the people away. Uh, yeah, and then he looks at his disciples there at the very end and says, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Take heart. I've overcome the world. But first, you will have trouble. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about this week. Now, I know what you're thinking, this sounds like a great episode for Lent. And I would agree with you that talking about taking up our cross is an excellent, an excellent topic for uh, for Lent. And yet, uh, the way that the Holy Spirit worked, this is the week that we're doing it. Uh, and so I, I kind of look at at God and I'm like, okay, God, you know, um, we have this thing. The church gives us a calendar, and you're supposed to follow it. <laughs> uh, and that he doesn't listen to me. Uh, and so here we are. We're talking about crosses today, taking up our cross, my cross, your cross. And, and really, I think in a lot of ways, we misunderstand what it means to take up our cross, specifically those of us who live in, in the West, because uh, our culture is a culture of ease, right? Even when we're having a hard day, we live in relative ease. And this is something that's been brought up really to me uh, in the last couple of years as, as I have come to meditate on and contemplate on God's goodness, realizing uh, I had this expectation that everything was just going to work out, that God's going to provide for all of our needs and all is well. And, uh, and so bad things won't, won't happen. Now, I know that that's not true. And yet somehow it's back there in the subconscious, it still kind of seeps up. But I'm reminded that, that God loves the people in the third world just as much as he loves me. And he cares for them just as much as he cares for me. And so if the goodness that I have come to uh, associate, the, the actions that I've come to associate with goodness, if those are not present in the poorest of the poor around the world who, who God loves, then I have to reevaluate my understanding of what it means for God to be good. I look at the lives of the saints, and and if what I expect goodness to be in my life does not manifest in the lives of the saints, I have to reevaluate not whether or not God is good, but whether or not I am properly understanding his goodness. And so today we're going to be talking with Letitia Ochoa Adams. Uh, She blogs over on the Pathios Catholic channel and also has periodic articles over on alatia.org. And Last year, uh, just almost a year ago, uh, she lost her oldest son to suicide, and she's been very open with, uh, with her processing of grief in this last year through her blog, and she wrote a very moving piece not too long ago uh, that was published on Aletia talking about uh, the unequal distribution of suffering and asking the question, and I think adeptly answering the question, why is my cross so heavy? And as I read this and as I thought about this, uh, I, I wanted to go and look at the Stations of the Cross as a meditation, not so much on what Christ has done for me, which is something that we should do, and we do all throughout Lent on the Fridays of Lent, but I wanted to look at the Stations of the Cross as a blueprint and a pattern for what is Christ calling me to. Because remember, if, if anyone, including me, would be his disciple, uh, let, let them, let me take up my cross and follow him. And we, we've come to believe that a cross is some minor annoyance, a temptation that keeps coming back. And people say, oh, well, that's just your cross to bear. Uh, and, and really, uh, it's not a cross to bear. It is something to, to discipline ourselves through. It's something to, to really struggle with. But a cross is an instrument of death. And there are those things in my life that, and Christ assumes that I will know what they are because he says, take up your cross. Uh, There are things in my life that I think that I cannot survive. Those are the things that Christ calls us to take up. God, if I have to carry this, I will not make it. Okay, that's the thing right there. Carry that and follow me. And so we're going to talk today about the weight of suffering. And maybe you haven't experienced it. Maybe it, your cross is still uh, hidden just a little bit from you. And, and you know, on the one hand, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing to be walking in the, the consolation and the blessing of God. Uh, and, and I would not wish a cross on you. But Christ does, because Christ knows that when you carry your cross— following him, specifically when you carry your cross and you are following him, you are crafted into his image. You are made fit for heaven. You are sanctified and made into a saint. And so Christ looks at us right where we are, sitting in the car, listening on our smartphone to the podcast. He looks at us and he says, you, I have a cross for you. And it's not always something we're ready for, and yet Christ calls us to it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outside the Walls, and we're talking today about carrying our cross, about enduring sufferings. And if you do do a quick word search on suffering, uh, you'll find that it gets used a lot. You know, Uh, Paul talks about we can endure this suffering right now because we know that our current sufferings are nothing in comparison to the matchless glory that we'll receive in eternity. Somehow, in our society, we've come to believe that suffering comes to those who have done something wrong. And that's not new to us by any means. I mean, you see it in Scripture, in the, in the book of Job, among others, where Job's enduring immense hardship. And his friends, so moved with compassion over his hardship, come and tell him, uh, God must hate you. What did you do wrong? <laughs> and, you know, we, we so often in our society, because we, I think because we are so accustomed to a life of ease, uh, we so often fall into that same trap of thinking, I must have done something wrong to have deserved this from God. I must, uh, I, I must be out of God's favor. And yet this is what God promised us. He promised his disciples in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. We know that trouble and tribulation and suffering are coming to us. It's part of the human condition, and we may be uh, we may be spared from it some by the place that we live, by our socioeconomic status, but we cannot completely escape suffering. It is our lot in life. But through the redeeming work of Christ on the cross, we know that we have a hope. In eternity, and in some ways, that hope of eternity is made uh, more pronounced. It's crystallized, and and it is uh, maybe a little bit sharper in our mind because of the sufferings we endure here. Just as our Easter celebration is made all the more profound by the Lent that we experience beforehand, by the things that we endure, by the by the, the the trying of ourself and the denying of our appetites that we go through during Lent. And so maybe right now is a time to begin thinking, because Lent is right around the corner, February 14th, Ash Wednesday. Now is the time to start thinking, how am I going to experience Lent? We know that Lent is the time where we prepare ourselves to celebrate Easter well. But do we take the time to prepare ourselves to experience Lent well? Maybe spend some time this week and say, God, what is it specifically that you want me to learn this Lent? Uh, maybe there's a book, a spiritual reading, that God wants you to encounter. And this is the perfect time to do it because it's going to take some time to get that book to your house, whether you're checking it out from a library or, or purchasing it at your local Catholic bookstore. For me, uh, this Lent, I'm going to be reading through a book by Jacques Philippe called Interior Freedom, which deals a lot with uh, giving ourselves over in surrender to whatever the will of God is in our life. And that's something that, uh, that it's always difficult because what if? What if the thing that God wants me to surrender myself to is a little bit more suffering? What if it's a, a little bit more difficulty? And that can be very frightening because one of the things that I've learned about suffering in, in the recent uh, past is that suffering is an isolating thing. We can very quickly feel all alone. We can feel that God's abandoned us. We can feel that those who are near us have abandoned us because uh, no one else fully understands the suffering that we're enduring. And yet, we know from Scripture that Christ understands. Uh, It says, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We also know from Scripture that He has promised that He will never leave us. Lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age, even in the midst of our suffering. We're going to be talking today with Letitia Ochoa Adams. She's a blogger over on the Pathios Catholic channel, as well as on Aleitia.org, And she's going to share with us her process of grief and her suffering as she's mourned the loss of her son this last year. And talk to us a little bit about what it looks like for us to carry our cross while trusting in Christ join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on twitter the handles at outside the walls there's much more right after this don't go anywhere you're listening to outside the walls with timothy putnam Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Letitia Ochoa Adams uh, down from Texas. She blogs over at Pathios Catholic Channel uh, and then also has uh, periodic articles over at alatia.org and is a frequent guest uh, on the XM Sirius show, the Jen Feuerweiler show. Uh, Letitia, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, we're coming up close to the one-year anniversary of the death of your son by suicide. And for the last year, you've been blogging about this pretty openly, letting people know what you've been experiencing. And this is somewhat remarkable because generally when we experience a pain, our tendency, uh, even in the physical realities of life, is to, to close up and to guard, right? You, you hurt your hand yeah. and you cradle that hand and you hide it uh, from anyone else, lest it be... Uh, further further damaged. And one of the things that's just been incredibly beautiful uh, in your experience is, is the fact that you have, while you have had other people help guard it, while you've guarded it, uh, you've been very open with it. You've, you've let the wound air out, as it were. And that really provides an opportunity for those who, who have been maybe guarding a wound for, for decades to look at it again in fresh light, and to maybe approach questions about God, or to approach uh, even the idea of the goodness of God with with fresh eyes and and new fervor,
1: right? Um, and, and really, um, if I think back to the day that we found Anthony, I mean, from the get go, I put it on Facebook one because I knew I needed prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew there was just no way I was going to survive that loss without God's help I was mad at him and I wasn't wanting to talk to him so I figured if I had a lot of people praying for me they could talk to him for me you know like um so that so that was my first number one intention but then my second intention and the one that's probably carried out this entire time is that I felt the overwhelming need to let everyone know how much I love my son and how proud I am to have been his mother. And I think that that's the thing that I couldn't keep bottled in. It was like, there was just no way I was gonna ever be able to do that. And because I had already built a platform and had already had a blog that was, and had been you know, pretty successful in my writing and stuff, it was easy for me to put that out there. And then the more responses I got from people that did exactly that, where they could look at their wound for the first time in a long time, or someone who came along freshly after me, um, and having lost a child to suicide or any other way actually, um, could come along and, and, you know, see that there was a different way to grieve that didn't necessarily mean giving up and it didn't necessarily mean shutting up and it didn't mean pushing through. It meant looking at it and, um, making room for it in your life,
0: you know? Yeah. We're talking today, if you're just joining us, with Letitia Ochoa Adams uh, about the loss of her son and, and the way that she has uh, shared that wounding with others through her blogging over at Patheos Catholic and on org. Uh, right before we, we came on air, Letitia, we were talking about uh, how our culture doesn't really uh, understand a cross in, in the, the true way. We talk about, oh, you've got this, this uh, temptation, or you have this thing that that bothers you a little bit, and it's, maybe it's a little bit irksome. That's your cross to bear, and so right. we've gotten used, maybe because of the uh, the way that our society is set up and the blessings that our society uh, has, uh, the ease of life that we have from from living in this society, uh, we tend to think that a, a cross isn't ever a torture device or a thing that really is the, the source of our death, which is, when we look at the cross of Christ, precisely what it is.
1: Right, uh, exactly. And,
0: and so as you have come into this place where you're experiencing a cross that is drastically different uh, than anything you'd previously experienced, as hard as your life has been, uh, tell me how this has come to to help you understand and maybe identify more with the cross of Christ and giving you a deeper understanding of, of what it means to carry our cross as disciples?
1: Um, so I think that my first reaction was, why me? Um, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my son? Where were you? I mean, I asked God, where were you? But my first place to think of to go was to my parish for daily mass the Friday. So Anthony passed away on a Wednesday, um, Friday morning at 6 a.m. I was at mass and I was not there to participate in mass. I was there to face God face to face and, you know, tell him how I felt. And um, I I was kneeling in front of the tabernacle and in my parish, you can see the tabernacle and then right past it is a giant crucifix behind the altar. And um, I, I asked God, like, why me? Why would this happen to me? And he said, and you know, I distinctly heard him answer, why not you? You know, and and I just remember being taken aback by that. And it wasn't it wasn't like an ugly I didn't get an ugly feeling. I got it like that's absolutely true. Why not me? And then I, I think throughout the past few months, I've consider the fact that as Americans, we don't think that those things are going to happen to us. And especially as American Christians, we think like homelessness can't happen to us. You know, like, oh, God will help us. God will rescue us. God will, you know, come in and swoop us up. But, you know, we were pretty close to losing our house. And I kept telling and my, you know, my husband was like, well, you know, that's not going to happen. We'll be fine. And I kept saying, what if we're not fine? You don't think that all of those people in homeless shelters pray to pray for a house, pray not to go homeless, pray for anything to happen, you know? Um, And it was one of those things where I realized how uncomfortable everyone around me was with the idea of us suffering, you know? It it made them uncomfortable and people wanted to fix and say, well, you should try this and you should do this. And, you know, a lot of people, um, not a lot of people, but a few people personally would say to me, like, why don't you get a job? As if they didn't clearly understand how heartbreaking it was to lose a child and for him to die by suicide in my home, right. you know, and, and us find him like we found him. Um, That takes a little bit of time to get over to be able to function in mm-hmm. a capacity to work a job. You know, right. Um, for me, my husband was able to go back to work and that helped him, but it would have not helped me. So in the end, I was taking care of myself and I had to shut out a lot of things. I had to shut out a lot of people and I had to. But that gave me such a clear, um, open line to God mm-hmm. in, in my struggles and in my despair and in my sadness and in my heartbreak and in my willingness to understand that he is not my very godmother. Right. He's God, you know.
0: You know, we, we like to think and perhaps it's the uh, the influence of uh, the, the prosperity gospel. That's, uh, yeah. that's so infected the United States. But there's this idea that God's not going to let me suffer. As soon as I accept God as my Savior, then everything's going to turn out all right, and Jesus makes it all better. And and we think of it in the terms of God's going to bless us, and we automatically associate blessing with providing us with with good material things. But You, look, right. you know, I, as I have experienced some suffering of our own through... Uh, through unemployment and, and other things, we look at it and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm reading the lives of the saints for encouragement. And I'm seeing that all of these, all of these saints, uh, they they were, they were homeless or they, they failed in business and then they died young. And I'm thinking, God, this is not helping very much.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Or skinned alive or, you know, belayed right? or, I mean, there's just all kinds. I don't think we read those stories enough. We think that like, our life is not going to be like that or their children get sacrificed. You know, I picked mm-hmm. St. Felicity as my confirmation saint and, um, I, cause my daughter's name's Felicity. I never thought to, I never thought about it like ever. Like, why would you read the story? <laughs> right? Why would you read the story? It's sentimental. You know what I'm saying? And so when Anthony died, um, my RCIA director was like, you know, I asked St. Felicity and Saint Perpetua to pray for you because they lost you know, the story, they lost their sons. And I was right. like, Are you kidding me right now? Like, why <laughs> did anyone tell me this before? But um, yeah, and I and I think I think it's more than just material things. We do we do expect the material things from God, but we also expect the safety, the safety for us, the safety for our family. Right. Um, um, I I I mean, before Anthony's suicide, I honestly thought the worst thing was that my, that he had left the church. I, th- mm-hmm. I thought that's the worst thing. I thought the only thing I had to pray for was for God to bring him back to the church. And then I thought, you know, I'm not going to hound him. Uh, if, if I came back to the church, he'll come back to the church. I really just thought that was the biggest, the biggest yeah. problem, you know? And, um, when I, when I realized he was dead, I mean, I asked the ambulance driver, is he really gone and I mean, he had he had been gone for a few hours when we found him and so the ambulance driver just gave me this look like of course he is you know and at that moment i just thought wow i never thought this was you, you you don't even have any idea what the worst could be and so i think you know you have to really realize that who god is like i said is not our favorite godmother but he's so good mm-hmm. that the hope is the hope that we have is not like oh you know we wish upon a star but the hope is that he we know he's so good that he gives us every possible chance to be with him because that's what he wants right um he's not making us work for it that's what he wants he died on a cross for us to be able to be with him that's what he wants above all things so that's where our hope lies and that my hope i, I don't know what my son chose in the end, but what I do know, I I do know that God gave him absolutely every opportunity possible for him to choose to be with God, so.
0: We're talking today with Letitia Ochoa-Adams. She blogs over at the Patheos Catholic channel and on Alatia.org, and we're talking about suffering and carrying our cross as she relates the story of losing her son about this time last year. There's more to this conversation right after the break, so don't go anywhere. But join the ongoing conversation on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back with much more right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking with Letitia Ochoa Adams. She blogs over on Patheo's Catholic channel and has articles over at org. And we're talking today about seeing God as he really is and coming to that through suffering. Uh, and Letitia, uh, some time ago I was dealing with God and we were having a one-on-one conversation and... I said, you know, maybe maybe it'll just help me. It'll help me, God, if I just you know, pick up the Bible because, you know, growing up in the Protestant world, that's, that's how yeah. things work. So, God, where do you want me to read to help me figure out uh, what I need to know today? And I heard clear as day the voice of God uh, say to me, Hebrews 5.8. I'm like, all right, I feel super spiritual. I've heard the voice of God. I'm going to open it up. We're going to, we're going to get this. We're going to get on good terms again. It's all going to be great. Hebrews 5.8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay, God, let's try this. Let's try this again. And for six, yeah. for six months, every time I'd come to God and feeling a little dry and say, God, I need, I need to, you know, where do you want me to read? Hebrews 5.8. I'm like, this is really getting old. <laughs> And, and so here we have uh, the idea that God is going to bring us through suffering. He did it to Christ. Christ learned obedience as a son through the things that he suffered. And he told us very clearly, uh, if you would be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And the cross is not some uh, little thing that irks me. It's the thing that will be my demise but for Christ, Right, right. And so here we have you are experiencing and and have been walking the Via Della Rosa as it was. You've been walking the way of tears uh, after the death of your son coming up on nearly a year. Know that we'll be praying for you as that anniversary comes up. Um, Thank you. But you've been walking and coming to a, a deeper understanding of what it means to carry a cross. And so I, as I was thinking about talking to you today, I started meditating on the Stations of the Cross, and there were a couple of things that, that stood out to me that I wanted you to reflect on through your own experience. The one is that the Cross really is uh, the, the means of our death, whether that be uh, the physical death that we experience or whether it be the, the death of our pride and our, our sinful nature, whatever that is. The second thing is that we, we see in the Stations of the Cross and we even celebrate and meditate on the fact that others— came to help Christ with his cross. They came to to be a consolation to him, and even then they couldn't take it away. Right? We see right. that Jesus meets his mother in the, in the fourth station. In the fifth station, Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus carry his cross. And in the sixth station, Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. So talk to me a little bit about those who have come alongside you in the midst of your suffering that have been helpful, not those Uh, like the women of Jerusalem who just were out to see the show or to mourn uh, from a distance, but those who actually came up and face to face got into the business of grieving with him. Talk about those who came and helped you in your, in your cross.
1: Um, there's just so many, my parish is amazing. And, um, the priest that I have built relationships with in the last nine years of my conversion and, um, baby catholic years i really showed up Uh, my priest my pastor i called him as soon as we found anthony and he was right behind the ambulance that's how he got here so fast um that he was here as fast as the ambulances were and then, then um the priest that actually walked with me through my conversion and helped me learn the faith and um taught me how to read papal documents and the catechism and 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 i argued with him incessantly he heard my first confession too um he baptized my children so he baptized anthony and he came he also uh celebrated the marriage between me and my husband so he came that night and he blessed he's actually the one that blessed anthony's body um before they took him and so they showed up right in the midst of it jennifer fullweiler was right behind father jonathan um, and father Jonathan actually is the one that called her and, uh, her and her husband showed up right afterwards and bought us dinner. We didn't even know we were hungry. we we were literally in, in such shock. We were walking around, not really even knowing what we were supposed to do or that we were hungry. The kids hadn't eaten and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And so they got us food and they filled our refrigerator with beer. And, um, um, so they, they were the first responders, so to speak. But then after that, I mean, I can't even, I can't even, I'll forget people because there's people, we got new beds Mm because our old bed was so horrible. And I was like, I need to sleep. I knew I was going to need rest in order to deal with this. And so um, someone from our parish got us new beds. And then um, people just came together from all over the world to donate money so I was able to give Anthony the funeral I wanted to give him I didn't have to cut corners and and that funeral was a expression of my love for him um and I wanted everyone to know how much I loved my son so I didn't want to cut corners on that and I also wanted it to be beautiful because I knew a lot of non-christians were going to come and i wanted them to know god still loves you. you know, look at this beauty. um and i know that god reaches people through beauty all the time. so uh, i was very blessed to not to have the funeral i wanted for him and and it was all by donation 100%. Hmm. um and um and then the prayers, the enrollments for anthony, which i didn't even know what an enrollment was. so it was kind of like a, they also taught me something, you know. right. um so there's perpetual prayers being said all over the world for Anthony every single day, which brings me, it gave me such comfort that I felt like I could um, breathe. I had some breathing room and knowing that there's a mass for Anthony being said all over the world, at least five, you know, every single day, Um, which there can never be enough masses, <laughs> but you know, at least it could, it gave me a sense of comfort. Um, but then there's my husband who, above all is my simon you know simon helped jesus carry his cross Mm -hmm. and um had the blood of christ built on him and really wasn't he was just walking home (laughs) he wasn't really and i feel like my poor husband was kind of just you know (laughs) like i'm just living life man marrying my junior high sweetheart and everything is going to be great and and, you know my son was his stepson so it's right. kind of like I feel like he was really like Simon he was just walking home and he kind of got caught up in carrying this cross with me yeah and uh, but he did beautifully and you know he's the one that had to take Anthony down mm-hmm. and um he shielded me from from seeing Anthony that way I didn't I didn't see him until he was laying on the garage floor so I, I so he shielded me um, yeah. from from having that image of my son in my minds. And so really he, he was my Simon and he still is. And, and he, you know, yeah. lets me mourn <laughs> right. when those days are bad. And I'm like, today's a bad day. He'll be well, like, so do you want Olive Garden or do you want <laughs> <laughs> Well, Let's
0: let's talk about that a little. That's the other thing I wanted to, to mention. We're talking with, uh, with Letitia Ochoa Adams and, uh, the other part of this is that we meditate on, as, as we look at the stations of the cross, that Jesus falls a first time, a second time, and a third time, and and he gets overwhelmed by the weight of his cross. And we're okay with that, uh, but somehow we look at those who are struggling with the weight of their cross here with suspicion. Maybe they don't have enough faith. Maybe they're not yeah. uh, they're they're not giving God enough uh, room to offer it up. They're 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 not being purified enough. Uh, and so how? How have those who have come alongside you, who have given you permission to fall under the weight of your cross and to help you stand back up, and what would you say to those who maybe have never experienced this but are trying to understand a person who is overwhelmed and maybe they think, maybe, well, they must not be trusting God enough, how have you trusted God enough in the midst of being overwhelmed and falling under the weight of your cross?
1: Um, I honestly think that being overwhelmed has brought me into a more trusting relationship with God, because when you're in that place, there is nowhere else to turn. Uh, for me, there was nowhere else to turn. Um, I guess the worst one was right after Thanksgiving, when I realized Anthony is truly gone, and he's never going to be on our Thanksgiving table again. And there's all these leftovers In the fridge that he would have eaten they wouldn't even be here Mm -hmm. um they're not supposed to be in there like I made the same amount of food as I always make and there's never leftovers I was like why is there so many leftovers and then it dawned on me why is there so many leftovers that's a stupid question you know and um so I ended up just like laying in my bathroom floor crying and um that was that was a moment between God and I so honestly the best thing my anyone does for me is to allow me to have those moments. And I've really had to understand who the people that are going to allow me to have those moments are. Because if I try to tell someone who isn't necessarily comfortable with that level of sadness and despair, then then, like I said, they go into fix it mode and then it turns out really bad. So I've really had to understand who those people are. And um, but mostly my husband, because he's so close to me, but it is just letting me stay in that moment, not trying to help me up. He did. He walked past me like two or three times <laughs> and I'm like laying on the bathroom floor. But he understands that that's how my relationship with God works, you know. Yeah. Um, and I told God, like, I'm going to be an atheist. I'm done with this. I'm I'm walking away. I'm not going to be Catholic anymore, you know. And I could just picture God sitting at the edge of my tub as I'm laying on my tile floor going, okay. <laughs> 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 you're coming to tell me this. Okay, you know. Um, I think, honestly, when you're that overwhelmed, it isn't a matter of not trusting God or not having enough faith. I think it's a matter of you have that much faith that mm-hmm. you can be overwhelmed, and yeah. you and you know God's okay with that. You he's know, he's not
0: threatened by it,
1: right? He's not scared. He's not offended. He's um, not angry about it or impatient with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, he really is okay with it, and I think that that is a moment of pure faith where it is just you and God and truly I feel as if I was just hanging on to his hand that's all I could do even as I lashed out at him or was angry or whatever the case might be I was holding his hand while I was doing it
0: we've been talking today with Letitia Ochoa Adams she blogs over at Patheos and on Alatia. Letitia thanks for being a part of the show today thanks for having me Join the ongoing conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've been talking today with Letitia Ochoa Adams. She blogs over at Pathios, on the Pathios Catholic channel, and also on Aleitia.org. She recently had a piece on Aletia that that caught my attention, uh, and it's basically uh, looking at that classic problem of evil, why do bad things happen, but it looked at it from a different angle. Uh, And and the question was, why does suffering seem so unevenly distributed? Why do some people suffer more than others? And the specific question, which I think she answers very adeptly, is why is my cross so heavy? And so I I wanted to bring her on here because, first of all, we need to hear the stories, first-person stories, of those who are suffering because we can become so removed from it that we really only think about suffering in some uh, academic way. And Christ saw those who were suffering, and, and it says in multiple times, he saw the crowds and he was moved with compassion. And you and I need to be moved with compassion when we see the suffering of others. But in order to do that, we actually have to see the suffering, and not just from a distance, but to hear the stories and to hear uh, the the deep wounding and the deep uh, wrestling that goes on here in the midst of that. And, and it can be daunting. You, you might say, I don't really know how to approach someone with that kind of suffering. And really the, the best thing I think that you can do is to listen to the story. Even if you're right there in the middle of it and they are just absolutely raging, just listen to the story. I encourage you to go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We're going to link that article uh, from Aletia about why my cross is so heavy. I want you to read it. Uh, and then also, while you're there, why don't you share this episode uh, with someone in your circle of influence? Maybe share it on social media, maybe sending it an email. However you want to do that, you know someone who could benefit from this. So go over to walls.com while you're sitting there at your computer And right there, right up at the top, as soon as this show is finished airing, is going to be today's archive for you to share with anyone who would benefit from it. There's also more to the conversation with Letitia. Uh, We sat down and had probably another 10, 15 minutes worth of conversation that's available to those people who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, look through the different levels. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to all the extra segments from the month And we have an extra segment each and every week with our guest. As we turn our attention to Scripture and our reading from church history, I'm always amazed at how well the the assigned Scripture and the the reading from the breviary, from the church history, how well that lines up with our topic. Because that's not something I go looking at ahead of time. To say what's the uh, what's the reading going to be and how's that going to fit in with the topic and let's play on the topic around it. The topic generally comes first. The guest generally comes first, and then we turn to the readings. And generally, I'll look within the week uh, to find the reading, and uh, both in the the missal and in the breviary. And man, just more often than not, they just line up perfectly. And so our reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, and we hear. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with them. A violent squall came up, and waves were breaking over the boat, so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe, and said to one another, Who then is this, whom even the wind and the sea obey? That reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, and how quickly we find ourselves in that boat. We have our plans and our ideas of what traveling with Jesus will look like. We think that we know what it means to get into a boat with Christ and to go to another place. First of all, it's a place of protection because we're with Christ. Everything's going to be okay until it's not. And so all of a sudden, here comes this storm that threatens to overtake them in that the We experience these storms that threaten to overtake us and the boat is filling up and we know what happens. We are fully aware of what happens when a boat fills up. It sinks. And here is Jesus not paying attention. Here is Jesus asleep, not even concerned with our demise. And just like those disciples, we can get a little bit antsy. We can go over and shake him awake maybe with a little bit too much vigor, and say, don't you care? Don't you care at the cross that I'm bearing? Don't you care that I'm dying here? Don't you care at all about the suffering that I'm enduring? And with us, just as with the disciples, patiently, slowly, not nearly as concerned with the time frame as they are, he gets up and rebukes the wind and the sea. And all was calm. And then he turns and says, Why are you terrified? You know, every day I think, Well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. But then as I'm patient, uh, I go to the level and the length of the time that I think I can go, right? I'm going to let the water level in the boat get up to uh, three inches deep, because that surely God will step in before it gets to four inches, and then it gets to four. And then it gets to five. And I'm thinking, well, well, no, no, it's, surely it won't get to six. And then it gets to six and seven. And the boat still doesn't sink. And Christ is still there. I'm in his presence, but he's asleep. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like surely, surely God is concerned enough that he's going to wake up now. And yet Christ is with us in the boat. Christ is with us in the suffering. This is the the Christ who endured the cross, who knows the way of suffering, and who is right there in the boat with us as we endure it. And so all we need, as we are sure that this will be our demise, is to trust, to have faith, and to say this is the God who when it is time will calm the wind and the sea. And until that time, just his presence should be consolation. And John Chrysostom echoes that in our reading from Church History Today as he talks about Paul. And he said, Though housed in a narrow prison, Paul dwelt in heaven. He accepted beatings and wounds more readily than others reach out for rewards. Sufferings he loved as much as prizes. Indeed, he regarded them as his prizes and therefore called them a grace or a gift. Reflect on what this means. To depart and be with Christ was certainly a reward, while remaining in the flesh meant struggle. Yet such was his longing for Christ that he wanted to defer his reward and remain amid the fight. Those were his priorities. Now, to be separated from the company of Christ meant struggle and pain for Paul. In fact, it was a greater affliction than any struggle or pain would be. On the other hand, to be with Christ was a matchless reward. Yet for the sake of Christ, Paul chose the separation. But you may say, because of Christ, Paul found all this pleasant. I cannot deny that, for he derived intense pleasure from what saddens us. I need not think only of perils and hardships. It was true even of the intense sorrow that made him cry out, Who is weak that I do not share the weakness? Who is scandalized that I am not consumed with indignation? I urge you, not simply to admire, but also to imitate this splendid example of virtue. For if we do, we can share his crown as well. Are you surprised at my saying that if you have Paul's merits, you will share that same reward? Then listen to Paul himself. I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, a crown of justice awaits me, and the Lord, who is a just judge, will give it to me on that day and not to me alone, but to those who desire his coming. You see how he calls all to share the same glory? Now, since the same crown of glory is offered to all, let us eagerly strive to become worthy of these promised blessings. In thinking of Paul, we should not only consider his noble and lofty virtues, or the strong and ready will that disposed him for such great graces. We should also realize that he shares our nature in every respect. If we do, then even what is very difficult will seem to us easy and light. We shall work hard during the short time we have on earth, and someday we shall wear the incorruptible immortal crown. This we shall do by the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom all glory and power belongs now and always through endless ages." That reading comes from a homily by St. John Chrysostom on Paul. And what did Paul have that we seem to be lacking? What did he know that we seem to so quickly forget? He knew that this life is passing away. He knew that the things that we experience and the sufferings we endure, they are temporary and the eternal waits for us. But we've gotten so caught up in the temporal things of our life, in the immediacy of our suffering, that it's so easy to forget that Christ redeemed us for the sake of eternity. Christ saved us for the sake of our restoration to God in heaven. And so this is what we wait for. This is what we pray for. We endure the current sufferings so that we can share a crown with Christ in glory. That's all the time we have for this week. Today's show has been brought to you by all of those who generously support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers. Join the conversation over on social media, Facebook.com slash Step On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls, where they're all week long. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you.